It is by will alone I set my mind to read. It is by the juice of corn that words acquire meaning. The pages acquire stains. The stains become a review. It is at patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can provide support. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Tom Merritt. I'm Rod Simmons. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it is so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. And it is now February, which means we have a new guest host filling in for Veronica Belmont, who is still keeping her baby healthy, happy, and safe. Uh, They're doing great. But please welcome to the show, uh, co-host of the SMR podcast, Rod Simmons. Rod, welcome. Thank you so much. Lovely to be here. Rod, uh, tell folks a little bit about your podcast and your podcasting experience and, and why you were willing to volunteer to do this crazy show. Uh, so I guess SMR podcast started, oh, gosh, it feels like eight or nine years ago. And it was really just we wanted to get together and talk about uh, mobile phones and tech. Just, I mean, I've watched you podcast for forever, uh, f- back from when you were at uh, on Buzz Out Loud. When I was and- a young man, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we all were young back then. <laughs> um, but it just got interested in talking about technology, and it gave me an opportunity to get together with uh, two of my buddies who I – one, I live in the same area with, who was just Chris and Rob, who we don't live in the same area with, but it gave us time to sit and talk tech. So coming and talking about books are fun because on the show with them, if I bring up a book, if it's not a TV show, they don't care or a video game. But I <laughs> I enjoy reading books and they don't care to listen to them. So I have a very few people who I ever get to talk to about books. So this is a fun opportunity to talk about, you know, just you said pick a book. I'm like, man, I could give you 40. I could have probably done this show for a year and Veronica could have the entire year off and we could have covered sh- uh, books. So. <laughs> that's great. No, that's a, that's why I wanted to have you on because you were super enthusiastic when I was asking around uh, about this. What What's some of the favorite sci-fi you've read over the years? How How'd you get into it? Uh you know, oh, so actually, uh, it is a, it's not a funny story, but what first got me into it, um, I wasn't a huge reader. And then I was on a trip, uh, I was in England and I had a meeting and I got an email early in the morning. It was a Friday and my customer had to cancel. They're like, we, we can't meet. And I'm like, this is my last meeting and I fly tomorrow morning on Saturday. So I had nothing to do all Friday in England. And of course, with the fiber time change, many of the people in the US were already wrapping their day up by the time I was really getting my day started. So I, uh, I went to Piccadilly Circus, grabbed a sandwich, and I was walking by a bookshop, and I grabbed the Da Vinci Code. Mm-hmm. And I sat and ate a sandwich and plowed through that book. And from there, I just started reading books uh, and just, just kept reading everything I could get my hands on from there. The so Da Vinci that, Code got you. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah I mean, because that's, that's a book that I also read and found fascinating, but then it, it gets a lot of flack. So it's not <laughs> it's a quick read um it's a very yeah. fun book to read the problem i think it's dan brown who wrote that book the only yeah, problem with right. if you started reading any more of dan brown's book you could kind of see his cadence and pattern and some authors have that where you read one book and it's like i already mm-hmm. know what to expect on the next books but um that that's probably the one that got me into it and then i started going into the typical things you would think of like like Stephen King Salem's Lot and uh, i did some james patterson uh books over the years um, and then honestly, everything just started, started taking off. Cause you'd run into like, um, back when we were younger, do you remember the book, the sword of Shannara? 
that oh, yeah. series. Yeah, no, we read that as one of the sword and laser picks ah, a couple yeah, of years see, back. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I, I have better taste than just uh, <laughs> the <Vinci laughs> But yeah, just like read, picking up and reading like different types of books. And I will do books for work as well. Um, but then I got into like, uh, I think it's Peter V. Brett. Um, oh, yeah. It's called mm-hmm. The Warded Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like an incredible series. I think they started to wane off towards the end. And then like The Rule of Four. So there's been like just tons of books over the years I've read. Like I... I got, I did read like books like The Last Lecture, which was, is just, an, it's not a, it's not sci-fi, but it's, it is an unbelievably amazing read. And then I read, um, oh my gosh, there's this book by this FBI guy. Um, is it like a true crime sort of thing or? No, it's, um, it's, uh, it's designed to, it's, it's a book that I feel every woman should read. Um, and it's about, um, if you think about, like sometimes you'll get into a situation where you're like walking to a car and you're like, I just don't feel comfortable walking here. Or you're getting ready to get into an elevator late at night. And your, your mind is telling you that this person is okay. The rational side, but you just mm. feel like something's wrong. And it's trying to teach you to try to trust your judgment. It's, um, and it's, they talk about how we, I don't want to say beat that out of kids, but we, we convince kids not to trust their sixth sense. It's like you go and like give your aunt a kiss and they're like, I don't want to kiss her. And it's like the kid is saying, for me, there's something wrong. But by you forcing them to do it, you're essentially telling them to you know forget what's in your mind and just do what I'm telling you to do. And um, it was it's just an incredible story. I'll see if I can. Is it called Sizing People Up? No. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is driving me crazy. Yeah, I will, yeah, no. I will definitely find it. Um, <laughs> cause it's been one that I've uh, recommended to a number of uh, people over the years. Oh, the gift of fear. That's what it's called. Oh. It's called from an author called Gavin DeBecken, the gift of fear. Excellent. And it, it's a, it's a super short read, but I, I think if you, if you have like a young daughter mm. or a, a daughter who's going off to like college, um, it's a good book to read because it tells her just trust yourself and trust internally. It's, it's okay to say, I'll catch the next elevator mm-hmm. rather than getting yourself into a situation that you're saying, I don't trust it. Don't talk yourself off of it because his reviews are of a lot of survivors and them saying, I knew there was something wrong yet. I still went through with it and I got myself into a bad situation. So just, uh, yeah, I don't know how many times I've, I've heard that at like neighborhood watch sorts of meetings where, yeah, where they say like, look, if you, th- if you're feeling weird, you know, just take yourself out of the situation. No, yep. no harm, no foul. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get, let's get back into the flow of, uh, of our, our sword and laser traditions, uh, here, uh, with Veronica gone, I wasn't sure if we would be able to continue doing what are we drinking, but we have, uh, and Rod is willing to play along. Rod, what are you drinking? So as of late, um, I was on a road trip uh, recently and I stopped by a Wawa's and they had, uh, San Pellegrino has this um, sparkling water. It's, uh, it's blood orange and I like blood orange flavored things, but it's, it's not the typical like smaller cans that you can get at like a Panera bread where they're more sugary. It is uh-huh. really just flavored water, um, oh, okay. but it is so fantastic. So it's not like the Aranciata or those, those real sugary soda-like ones. Correct. Yeah, it is. It's almost like if you've ever gotten like a like a lime flavored Perrier water. It's but it tastes good. Um, <laughs> it, but it's San Pellegrino, and I've always liked their water more than Perrier. And uh, they have a blood orange, and I think it's black raspberry, and it's fantastic. My wife loves those, uh, but she likes the black cherry one. Ah, but it's my a, wife the, loves that one too. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. It's it's just it's like the. Um, there, there's fancy. Well, San Pellegrino is pretty fancy too, but there's like a hipster brand of water too that has the flavors in it but it's not but it's no calorie right 
Um, that's a good or, question. Or one. It's, it's, if it's, yeah, if one or two calories. Yeah, it's yeah. very low. Yeah. Uh, well, what I'm drinking is 200 calories, <laughs> uh, but it is delicious. It's a uh, Japanese soda that I, we have a Japanese grocery store nearby uh, that sells this mango cream soda from UCC. And it's just like the perfect thirst quencher for me. If I'm if I'm super thirsty or if it's really hot outside, it just it's light unlike like a really heavy sugary soda. So it's even lighter than those uh, San Pellegrinos that do have a lot of sugar in them that we were talking about. Uh, but it's got a mango flavor. So it's just, just a little different. Uh, and man, I love those. They're so good. I'm going to have to see if I can find that on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, take a take. I, I, you might be able to actually, because Amazon has almost everything. I was able to buy Utz potato chips on Amazon earlier this year. <laughs> so that it's very funny that you say that. My sister lives in Ohio. Uh-huh. And what she used to always, when she would come back to Maryland, which is where I live, she'd always come back and buy Utz potato chips. And for my kids, when they're in, I think, elementary school, there's a point in time where they do some field trip and one of them is they go to the Utz potato chip factory here. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's great. All right, let's get into the quick burns. Mark let us know that Ty Frank and Wes Chatham will continue their discussions about The Expanse, uh, both television series, mostly about the television series, uh, in a podcast beginning the week after the finale. So that's now. Uh, The finale was just two weeks ago. They plan to go back to season one and start from the beginning. So if you're a big fan of The Expanse TV show, you can get author Ty Frank, one of the co-authors of James S.A. Corey. Uh, and Wes Chatham from the TV show talking about the show. First episode was released uh, February 10th, which is the day we're recording this. Did you watch The Expanse, Rob? So I am probably the worst TV person ever. I don't, I, I'm, uh, <laughs> if, if it were, let yeah, me, I'm a book let, person. Let me, let me take that back. Have you read The Expanse, Rod? Nope. No, and like I say, I have like, there's a limited amount of stuff that I will get into mm-hmm. reading. And if if it doesn't come from somebody like I trust with books recommendation, I never get into it. So is it good? It's great. Uh, right. It's one of my favorites. And we started reading it before the TV show came out uh, on, on sword for sword and laser. And I was just sucked right in. It's the closest thing to having a book crew that I love as much as I loved the firefly crew. Um, I don't know if you're a firefly fan or not, but it's got that, it's got that like great crew feel of that. You're, you become friends with these folks over the books. All right. I'm pushing book one to my Kindle now. All right. I can't wait to hear what you think. Uh, Mark also let us know that, uh, commander data, uh, Brent Spiner is going to write a fictional auto autobiography noir thriller called Fan Fiction: A Mem Noir, inspired by true events. So it's fiction, but it's inspired by true events. It's from Brent Spiner. It sounds really weird, and it's coming out in October. Interesting. <laughs> yes. Mm. I mean, I feel like it's Brent Spiner's ode to the fans, probably, based just based on the title. My I so yeah I'm I'll 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 reserve judgment on this one until I can uh, get a little bit of reading into it yeah uh, until it comes out because it's so it's is it playing on uh, sorry I just wanted to look at that one more time is it playing a little bit on trying to pull like fact and fiction to like pull the two things together or is it nope totally all made up there's gonna be like um do you remember Stephen King did a book uh, oh my gosh uh, eleven something 73 63 uh 11 22 63 it was about yeah right yeah and they made that into a hulu show yeah totally made up but it wove 
um, real life events. Yeah, real life events into it, which is super cool. Like, I love that kind of writing. Like that. So I'm wondering if this is going to follow a little along that path. Well, according to the Sci-Fi Wire article, it's going to start in 1991 when Spiner is fresh off his success on The Next Generation, but then everything from then on is fiction. Okay. All right. I can live with that. Yeah, yeah. Jan uh, pointed out that the Mary Sue posted a list of the 15 most anticipated diverse sci-fi fantasy novels of 2021, entries ranging from Son of the Storm by Suyi Davies Okungboa to Gear Breakers by Zoe Hanna-Makuta. Uh, so if you're looking to add some things to your reading list, here's another excellent rec- list of recommendations. Do you, do you need any uh, more things on your I always list, need though? reading books. <laughs> And uh, The Expanse is a, it looks like it's a number of books in that series. So I think that'll keep oh, me yeah. busy for a little bit. There's, there's, uh, the last one's coming out later this year. So you'll, you'll be able, if you, if you space it out right, you'll be able to finish the whole thing. All right. Uh, Mark wanted us to know that The Monster at the End of This Book by John Stone, illustrated by Michael J. Smolin, starring Grover, is 50 years old. Wow. Do you know this book? This was a kid's book when I was, when no. I was a kid. No, the monster. Th- no, no, I don't know that book. And oh, this is it's this. It's one of those things that proves, like, no matter how much you read, you start looking at other books that people have read that are, you know, fifty years old, and you're like, I've never even heard of this book. Yeah, it's it's a golden book. Uh, so it's a it's a it's one of those real thin kids books, and it's mm. Grover is worried because he knows there's a monster at the end of the book, and he keeps telling the kid not to turn the page. Uh, and of course you keep turning the page and he keeps getting mad at you until you get to the, and spoiler alert, <laughs> you get to the end of the book and Grover realizes that he's the monster at the oh end of the gosh. book. Oh my gosh. Okay. I know this book. I, I had, oh, okay. Once you look it up, you're like, oh, I remember this book. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I'm thinking my kind of book, like my book. All right. Right, <laughs> right. No, this is just a kid's book. Yeah. I love that book. I actually still have it. Uh, and I, I have a section of kids books for like when my nieces and nephews come over uh, and it's in there. Um, it's a, it's a classic, uh, Jan, uh, pointed out, uh, via tour.com, Elon must die's 2017 time travel novel. All our wrong todays is being adapted by himself as a TV series for Peacock and NBC universal streaming series. Uh, according to the tour, the book is set in an alternate world that looks like the future 1950s science fiction imagined complete with flying cars, moon bases, and so forth follows a man named Tom Barron, whose life is coming apart when he's given the chance to help out a chrononaut, I assume that somebody travels through time, named Penelope Wessler. He falls in love with her and accidentally goes back in time, messing up reality. After ending up waking up in our 2016, he ends up pulled between both realities. How's that sound? It's funny because we just mentioned the Stephen King book. It sounds that sounds right? like something I got to read. Yeah, because that is that tells the same story, or well, I shouldn't say the same story, but it's it's same a person kind of, stuck. Yeah, stuck yes. between two times. Exactly. Uh, Aaron uh, wanted us to know that there's a Kickstarter to preserve J.R.R. Tolkien's former home as a public writing haven. Uh, it's called Save J.R.R. Tolkien's Home. Uh, he, that's where he wrote The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Uh, and they want to establish a writing and creative center for the public. So if you're interested in, in getting in on that, uh, they have uh, got about a third of the way toward their goal. Uh, they've got nine days to go and they have some, you know, some nice little uh, pledges without a reward. They've got some stickers. If you if you want to get a bookmark or or something like that, maybe even a VIP tour uh, if you're 
uh, in the area, I guess, because uh, they're not going to fly you out. Uh, but but just getting a oh it's a vi- it's a video tour anyway so yeah um, I don't know uh, that if, sounds if, cool yeah I, I like the idea of creating a writers center out of it I suppose the Tolkien uh, family no longer owns it that's probably part of the the issue there uh, then Silvana wanted us to know about the 2020 Locus recommended le- reading list uh, an anthology of speculative fiction from Africa and the African diaspora got a lot of mentions there. So Silvana, it is an excellent anthology. Can't wait to check out the freebies. Uh, there's some novelettes and short stories and such in there as well. But, uh, the, the reading list from Locus is usually looking back at what was out in 2020 and saying, okay, of all the stuff that was in there, uh, here's the really good stuff. Uh, and then they break it out by genre. So there's a fantasy section, science fiction section, uh, and uh, lots of lots of good stuff in there as well. I need to get into using other people's reading lists because, like I said, I have like about six good friends that read, and if we all slow down our reading, my book recommendation list dries up, and I have <laughs> nothing. So this this would be useful for me when I'm like suffering to get to a book. Yeah, absolutely. And and the locust lists are always really really comprehensive. Like there's, I don't, I want to say like twenty plus just in the science fiction category. Same for the fantasy category. They've also got horror and young adult, first novels, et cetera. So good stuff over there. Uh, are you a fan, a fan of the Game of Thrones, Rod? Oh, this is embarrassing to say that I've never seen anything of the Game of Thrones. Other you, haven't than- read, you haven't read the books? Nope. Well, you could then you here's here's the what you do. You just say, uh, I was waiting until he finished them all. And then <laughs> I'll never have to read them. <laughs> I know. I think Chris is a big Game of Thrones person, and I think Rob as well. And they're like, "How do you have you not watched this?" <laughs> and I listen to the complexity of it, and I'm like, "Just uh, give me something that I can like." Like this book that we're that we're going to talk about here shortly. I think I plowed through it really quick one morning just to refresh my memory on it, so that when we talked. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Game of Thrones I hear is like, you almost have to, is, is the Game of Thrones one, you have to have maps to understand all the families and stuff like that oh, yeah. go on in there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> uh, well, for those uh, uh, fans out there in the audience, George R. R. Martin says, 2020, let him make the most progress yet on the next installment of A Song of Ice and Fire, uh, writing hundreds of pages. Uh, so he's not done, though, but hey. Good news. Uh, Jenny from Reading Envy uh, thought we would find it interesting that after picking two post-apocalyptic reads on Sword and Laser the past two months, it was Mallory O'Mara's last month, Rhea Grant the month before that. Those two do a show together and they just did an episode on reading glasses of hopeful reads. Now, they called them hopeful, not comfort. As Mallory says, for comfort reads, just read some romance with happy endings and sexy times. But these were (laughs) still substantive books uh, that were hopeful. Uh, so if you're, if you're looking for, I mean, I, I think the fold is pretty, pretty hopeful in a lot of ways, certainly not post-apocalyptic, but if you're looking for, for other things to talk about, uh, or other ideas, check out, uh, reading glasses episode 188. And if you want another good post-apocalyptic, uh, do one second after. Oh, fantastic really? read oh my gosh that is i allison she got mad at me because she said i was crying this whole book why would you recommend this i was like <laughs> that's what you want a book that just gets all the emotion out of you so uh that's a great book that's by william fortune oh Forst- fortune it looks like yeah i don't remember who read that wrote that book but uh but yeah it's uh i people were after two post-apocalyptic books in a row people were like can we just have something not there so i think they were happy about the fold 
Uh, Terp Kristen recommended Studio Ghibli or, or pointed out Studio Ghibli is now building a real Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, it will not actually move, but it will look like it will be a part of the Studio Ghibli theme park being built in Japan. And we read Howl's Moving Castle uh, back at the end of last year. So uh, fans of that, you can go actually visit it someday once you're allowed to visit Japan and go to theme parks again. Travel again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Seth pointed out the American Library Association reading recommendations for 2020 are out. Fantasy pickers must have needed some uplift too because they chose The House in the Cerulean Sea. And the science fiction winner is The Space Between Worlds, which seems to have more of a social justice theme, also very 2020 appropriate. There's a link to the complete list as well. Again, the ALA looks back at 2020 and and makes recommendations based on what came out. Uh, There's also other short lists and genre lists as well there. And then Dominic pointed out that Chris Hadfield wrote a novel, The the Astronaut, Chris Hadfield. Uh, It's an alt-history thriller about space murders set in the early 1970s and currently available for pre-order. Mm, that will be one I'm putting on my list right there. Yeah, he's got a little video on Twitter uh, introducing it if folks want to check that out. Uh, thanks for pointing that out, Dominic. Also, uh, we will be doing March Madness. If you recall last year, we were the only March Madness <laughs> since there wasn't actual college basketball March Madness. There will be, at least we hope, uh, college basketball March Madness, but we're still doing our March tournament uh, to pick the April book. Uh, to refresh your memory, the way this works right now in February, everybody nominate books. Rob, our amazing moderator, will go in and compile all of your recommendations. Please just recommend one book per person. Uh, and then out of your recommendations, we will construct a tournament of books. And over the course of March, we'll have votes between different books. The winning vote for that week moves on against another book the next week until we have a, a final pick at the end of March that we will read in April. So, uh, the point now is go over to Goodreads, look for that March madness tournament, uh, thread, the nominations thread. You've got till February 20th to get your nominations. in. It's time to bear your sword. Our feedback from the audience. Tassie Dave, uh, was responding to our ratings discussion on the last episode. Uh, Rod, before we read the, these emails, where do you fall on this? Cause some people feel like giving anything less than five is like, you know, condemning it. Whereas some people feel like three is what you should give most books and you only give four or five if it's really, really good. Uh, where, where do you fall on that scale? Oh man. Rating scales, I always say rating scales are high. I usually, I would probably have to say I agree with Tassie on this one. Um, Amazon rating, I always throw out the fives. I never look at five ratings because I always feel that they might be paid uh, ratings. Mm. Where someone who's a three, it can be a really good rating, um, but it's not, it's from, I really feel like those middle of the road ratings are from a, true people. Um, so the fives and the overly glowing ratings, I tend to throw those out for my mental system. And I think three and four is probably, I would probably go right along with that one. Yeah. I, I, I try to not give fives unless I really, really loved a book, but I, I, I do start to feel like three could be seen as more negative than I mean it to me. So I end up giving a lot of threes and fours and twos and five fives are my, my extreme ones. So if you write a review, that's where you can do like saying just an amazing book three. And it's uh-huh. then it's like someone might say, well, why isn't that a five? It's so amazing. And then they read it and they're like, oh, this is a real person. It's mm-hmm. just their rating system is different. Yeah. 
Uh, Tessie Dave said, I give many books I enjoyed three stars, including The Marrow Thieves. I say four and five stars for above average or exceptional books. I wish Goodreads had half stars or an out of 10 system for more nuance. I'm not a fan of rating systems like Uber, Yelp, etc. that treat anything lower than five stars as a poor rating. Uh, in fact, I, I, I when I bought a car uh years ago <laughs> i was just thinking that yeah does this happen to you too right the dealer's like well, can you give us a rating by the way if you give us anything less than the maximum i'll get in trouble uh and so you're like oh okay i guess i'm not really rating you i'm just <laughs> i'm just giving you a we're just making sure you have a monetary employment. tip yeah uh some folks like rick advocated for a yes or no system uh they think that that's that's better for creating composite systems because you just say like i liked it or i didn't but Jan disagreed. Uh, Jan said, I don't like the Rotten Tomatoes system where you count the percentage of yes versus no reviews. A fantastic movie with 90% raving reviews would reach the same score as a middle of the road flick that doesn't offend or excite anyone and has 90% it's fine reviews. I wonder if big data wouldn't be better these days recommending media to you based on what you've read or clicked on in the past. I mean, Spotify had become over time really, really good at recommending me stuff until I made a playlist for my dad, (laughs) says Jan. Uh, To which Trike responded, the folks who work at Rotten Tomatoes are aware of this to the point that they now have a podcast called Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. And I, I would like to point out, hypothetically speaking, that if someone's spouse worked at Rotten Tomatoes and they presented them with several options for a title of their podcast and that spouse were to say, you have to call it Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong if you want people to take yourself seriously, uh, that, that, that's a scenario that might have happened in the world. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Also, totally unrelated. Uh, my wife does work for Rotten Tomatoes. Also, she's the director of the production arm of the company that makes that podcast. And I, <laughs> I, I definitely, I definitely was like, no, you have to. She was like, they wanted to call it maybe this or this. I'm like, you have to call it Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. Like that shows you're self aware, and they did. So you know, I'm happy. That's it's nice because you, uh, yeah, it's almost like the poking fun of yourself. Uh, there've yeah. been a number of companies who've done like TV commercials. I think um, there was a like Computer Associates. They had like a commercial, and there's a cardboard figure and it's like 500 it is and everyone across the tech industry knew that was how ca was like when right. you wanted to buy we only need 50 <laughs> new license 500 it is because that's how we sell them in increments of yeah um so yeah very very cool uh and but by the way i'm not claiming that i named the show i'm just saying i when when she asked my opinion at one point i definitely was in favor of like no you need to show self-awareness because everybody thinks rotten tomatoes is wrong so you, you gotta <laughs> own that uh, Jenny wrote in and said, I have similar feelings to Mallory about The Sparrow. I had read it before Sword and Laser read it, didn't reread it then, still haven't been able to read the sequel. One of these years I might be ready. And you know, I love The Handmaid's Tale, but the show version gave me terrible nightmares. I had to take two weeks between episodes of the first season and almost stopped watching after episode three or four, never returned to additional seasons. I thought it was funny that my husband, who has no investment in one of my favorite books, was able to soldier on through, whereas I couldn't take it. Then again, I do live in this state, so maybe it's too close for comfort. Uh, Yeah, too close to home for sure. Have you ever had something like that, Rod, where you read a book and you were just so affected that you're like, I can never go back to it. I never want to touch it again. No, I think if if anything, it was that the like the sequel for a book was just so bad. I couldn't tolerate like the one <laughs> book that the one book that I couldn't, I, a buddy of mine, I, we were reading it and he started before me. It was, um, under the dome. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm, I, I forget how many pages I was into the book. And he called me. He's like, um, are you, have you finished yet? I was like, no, not yet. He goes, just put it away. He goes, it's, it's the ending is so anticlimactic and stupid. Just stop. You're wasting your time. And I, I know this TV series was a blockbuster, but the, the book was a letdown. And there was another book that Stephen King did that really pissed people off. Um, oh gosh. I think it'll come to me later. One, but yeah, I'm not sure which one you're trying to think of. Yeah. Right there was about, Oh, I, I'll think of it. But I know that, uh, it was so much that people were saying, what happened to the boy at the end of the book? And he's like, and he just wrote like, yeah, he got better with his parents and he lived happily ever after the end. Like, <laughs> just leave me alone. Like you, you people get too far into books, just read it for what it is and, and yeah. move on. Um, so yeah, I'll have to find that one. Cause I, I'll never forget that. But yeah, I, I would probably say I don't, uh, I've never had a book that, uh, struck me to the core like that. Yeah. I'm trying to think if, if there was anything that I, I couldn't possibly go back to. I've definitely had some books where I felt pretty visceral reactions. Red Leopard, uh, Black Wolf was, was one of them, uh, where I'm like, Ooh, this is, this is getting sticky. Uh, you know, this is a little hard to read, but usually that's sections. Usually that's sections of a book. And then I work past them into other parts. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't, think i've ever had a reaction uh as bad a reaction as mallory had to the sparrow duma key was the book i was thinking of ah okay good or was it the cell might have been the cell Mm, oh i can't remember which one it was either of those (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right let's talk about the book of the month uh rod picked the fold by peter kleins andrew p was one of the many people who noticed that This is sort of in a series. Andrew wrote, is this book one or book two? Goodreads says it's number two, but Amazon says it's number one. Yeah. So I, and either like, so Peter Klein himself says it doesn't matter which one you start with. And I'll be perfectly honest. I don't remember which one I started with. Ah. And there, the, the threads that you'll detect between the two books are so thin um, it's almost like if you've ever read, um, any of the books in the, sh- uh, no, the shining is a bad series from actually, um, uh, God, there was, um, there's some books that you'll read and they'll make reference to a character in another book. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like, there's not really much you had to know, um, about, well, like, Stephen King's one a great example, the like the gunslinger. Uh, yeah. series, you know, uh, th- th- makes reference to almost all of his books seemingly at one point. And there's a lot of his books that are in the universe, but they're not like the stand is in the same universe as the gunslinger series, but it's not part of the series. Yeah. And the key is like, sometimes it's like, they might bring up a character and it doesn't mean anything to you now, but then when you go read some other, the other book and you learn about this character, you're like, oh my gosh, now that like, it right, wasn't that right. I missed out on anything by not knowing this, but now it puts some shape around it for you. And it's cool when you learn those things. And that's, right. that's how I looked at this. It really doesn't matter which book you start with. I mean, if you want to start with uh, 14 and then switch to the fold, that's great. Um, or go to the fold and 14, but they are truly deeply independent stories. Right. They're, they're, they may have overlapping characters, but the events are not dependent mm, on them. No, one not at all. Okay. Not and, 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 as I understand it, and I haven't read the 14, uh, uh, or, or 14, it, it, it doesn't even have that many overlapping characters, just a few. No, no, I, I'm trying to remember, like, mind you, I've read these a couple of years ago now. Um, I don't even know if there were any characters that were overlapping. It might've oh, been just, just a theme. World, yeah. World. Yeah. A little a underlying businesses. theme. Cause in part of this book, um, the, the, 
Nikola Tesla, if you're into that at all, um, that comes up in both books. But outside of that, not Mm -hmm. too much of things that you're going to deeply see the threads between the two books. They're they're mild. Yeah, yeah. Richard backs you up. He said, I've read all four in the series and especially enjoyed 14 and The Fold. Dead Moon kind of faltered and Terminus is okay, says Richard. The Fold definitely works as a standalone with a couple of Easter eggs if you read 14. Uh, that's a good way mm-hmm. of doing it. Yeah. I strongly recommend the audiobooks. Ray Porter knocks it out of the park. Have to have to agree. Uh I've I'm really enjoying this. But, but before before I give any of my my pre pre impressions, and again, we're gonna be spoiler free on this, so you don't you don't have to stop. Uh, listening. Uh, I do want to give Rod a chance to explain, like, why, why'd you pick this? Why, why'd you want us to read this? So I think when you had thrown out the idea of, Hey, we want a book for the, uh, for while, while Veronica's out, I picked this book because it's a, it's a truly, it's a fun read. For me, it, it was a super fast read. Like I say, I, the first time I read it, I think I read it in like maybe uh, a flight or something like that. And then the, I just read it again recently just to prep for the show. Um, but it's a cool story. It, I think the author does a fantastic job of shaping characters and getting your head around. Um, uh, sometimes you'll read something and you can smell the sand, taste the water mm. um, or things about a book. And I think um, he helps you understand topics that he, that are, that are important for you to understand the book, but he shapes them in such a way that you realize like, Oh yeah, I guess maybe that's not as great, great thing to have as I would have thought it was. And, and it, there's a lot of little details. And if you pay attention close to the details, I'm not going to say you'll figure out the end of the book, but if you pay attention, if you're really like really focusing on a lot of the details of the book, um, things you, it, it's like the book just balloons into you. Like later on, as you get in, you're like, Oh my gosh, Oh my, how did I miss this? So that's what I loved about <laughs> the book. It was, it was one of those, I can't believe this, uh, type of experiences. Yeah. Th- there's a few things about this book, uh, that I'm really enjoying. And I, I've been, uh, messaging Rod saying like, Oh my gosh, I'm having to stop myself from finishing it before we kick it off, uh, because I'm having so much fun reading it is it's, a science fiction book. Like there's, there's actual science. It's not hard sci-fi in the sense of like really getting into mechanics of things. In fact, they, they do a very good job. I think of saying, we're not going to explain the mechanics and here's why. And there's a good story reason for that. But the, the principles, the scientific principles that it's based on are all, if not true, at least theoretically possible, if unproven at this point. So I loved that. That sucked me in. Like you say, he does a good job of flushing out his characters so you care about them. But the mystery, it's its not just science fiction. It's also a mystery. And I, I'm glad you said that about you know keeping an eye on details because I've been doing that. I'm not done with it yet. Uh, but I've been trying to pay attention and crack the code because I can tell he's putting things out. I'm like, okay, there's no reason for him to mention that unless it's important. Now, I'm going gonna, gonna <laughs> to try to remember that and try to figure out how it fits in. And so it's it's a mystery set in real scientific principles with great characters. Uh, and I compare it uh, in my own head to Station Breaker by Andrew Main, where it just keeps me going. Like, I, I want to keep going to the next page. It's the definition of a page turner in the best sense. Yeah, I would agree there. And there's it's the way he develops um, the characters at the front of the book. Like, uh, um, so I, I don't know. I, so to be to be 100% fair with everybody, I've, I never tell anybody about a book. I say, this is the title. Here's the author. Go read it. 
And that's mm-hmm. the extent of a book review I give to anybody. It, it's a fantastic book. Go read it. Um, always because I don't know how to review a book for somebody. <laughs> so I'm like treading lightly. Like, like, can I say what happened in the first couple pages or not? Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I think you can talk in some some vague characteristics without getting spoilery of like you get introduced to pivotal characters that are important early on. Yeah, you start to learn like one of the things I really like is that the the main the main character of the book, one thing you learn quickly is that he has um uh, I guess you'll say a what is it a, a photographic memory photographic or, memory. Yeah, yeah. And I think everybody in their life at one point in time said, "Oh my gosh, how I would love to have a photographic memory oh, for when uh-huh. I have to do like these tests that I can just have it." But the way they shape out um, how he manages his memory and the things that you wouldn't think of. And there are blessings and curses to like the, the style of memory that they're, they're explaining that he has. But um, just uh, for me, that was like really like cool. Cause you think like, if you have a photographic memory, as long as you can look at stuff um, are the challenge that most people run into is, is you're reading, you're, you're reading through stuff and you can only process as fast as you can read. And if you had a photographic memory, you can get through, you can look at stuff and just commit it to memory. And then you're almost like a, a big data computer just saying, now I can organize and process it. And now it's, it has, I can deal with it as fast as I can think versus as fast as my eyes can move across the page. So th- there's a lot of really cool things that you get into with uh, with that. But um, it's the disbelief that people have, like, I have a photograph memory. Okay, we'll prove it. And then mm-hmm. as, like how he starts to prove to somebody that he has a photographic memory. And then, of course, who would ever believe something? And they're thinking, well, it's a parlor trick that you're doing here. Like, right, right. And then he continues on. And it's it's just so cool that how he does this over and over again in the book. That just It just amazes me. Yeah, I I, I think that's that's a, a fair thing to try to get somebody interested in the book to, to say is like, they this is not a Mary Sue situation. This is not a deus ex machina, like, oh, he's got a photographic memory. So of course, you know, he'll be able to solve everything. Uh, The way it's presented is so well done where you understand what the limits of his superpower are and why he can't just, you know, well, he can look at everything and memorize it. And now he knows everything. Like there's trade secrets involved being protected from him. And it's, reasonable how he wouldn't be able to figure out the secrets that they're trying to keep from him. Uh, why having a photographic memory doesn't just make your life wonderful. It, it actually, like Rod said, has some downsides. Uh, and those are, are, are explored and are part of that character. It's a, it's a deep character. Uh, and yet it's, it's certainly an advantage, right? Uh, even, even if it isn't like this all powerful, all-knowing thing. It, it is an advantage. It's just that, like you said, I think big data is a really good way of explaining it. If you have a photographic memory, you can have a lot more data than other people, but having a lot of data on a hard drive is not the same as having it you know, in a structured table that you can make use of it out. Yep. Uh, so you, you have to structure that data. And that that's where his talent really has to shine is how does he actually process all that stuff that he sees? Yeah. And um there's so I'm assuming anything that's on the uh like the review of the book I can talk yeah, the to. Book so, jacket. You can you can go book jacket cover. Yeah. So yeah, when they sure. talk about the fold, one of the things they talk about is that there's this the concept is that they're they're essentially trying to invent teleporting, if you will. Um but they they pull themselves away from that. That's why the book is called The Fold. Um 
but um, they talk about it's more of a concept of folding dimensions. Um, but the whole goal is that you can be here and then take a step through and you're now in, you know, hundreds of feet away or thousands of miles away. That's, that's like the goal. And uh, it's, it's very interesting. Like, cause a, if you have someone who has a photographic memory, if you show them the code or the process for doing this, they can just commit it to memory and then go and steal your ideas. So there's that um, cloak and dagger of we, mm-hmm. we, we have to, we have to hold things close to vest to what we want to tell you. But the the super cool thing about it is as you're you're looking at it, you're like, this it would be the invention of our lifetime for someone to solve that I could walk through a portal at an airport and arrive, you know, in Tokyo in a single step. Oh like um, like yeah. it's just it'd be a dream. Like the one thing we all love to get to that destination when right. we travel, but no one really enjoys the getting to the airport, dealing with all the luggage stuff, and more importantly, sitting on the plane for hours on end. It's right. it's the arrival and everything you get to do there. So this has such amazing promise. Um, and I like that, but there's also, you see the scientific responsibility that's happening behind the scenes of it. So there's, you see the scientists are struggling with trying to be responsible. And this is all funded by DARPA. So you're also thinking like, you know, you can see that there could be a dark yeah. side to having else are they control use? over um, this type of a technology as, as well. Yeah. Um, man, I I can't wait to to talk fully about this next time because there have been moments where I found myself just like with my earbuds in listening to the audiobook, just standing in the middle of my kitchen with my jaw dropping down at certain things where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I partially suspected that, but I didn't think it would be like that. And then why is it like that? And I can't say anything more than that, but I'm really enjoying this. I'm really glad you picked this. Well, I, I can't wait till we can actually fully open talk about it. Cause again, I wasn't sure if it was like, the first two or three chapters are fully on table. Like you could talk about anything in those because th- there's not a lot of spoilers as we all know early on in books. Like you, you kind of get through those and you they uh, shape the story. But like I say, if you if you just read the the jacket cover and you're like, this is interesting, something that can fold dimensions. People traveling, there seems like there's some secret going on. This this guy is super smart. Um, yeah, I'm in. Like I want to learn a little bit more about it. And like I say, the the way the book just takes off and uh. And enjoy the details of the book, like enjoy, like, and not just because you're trying to solve the mystery, but enjoy like how the author like shapes the stories for you. Um, Because each one is like, again, I find it to be just a joy of how he writes and 14, if you, if you decide to go to, we'll call it either the second book or the first book in the series, everyone look at it. It's an equally uh, amazing and fun read to do as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like the, the it's not just about solving the mystery, it's also about the depth. Uh so even if you feel like you guessed what what is going on, there's so many more details to explain why uh that he puts in there. That's good stuff. Yeah. Uh well, Rod, thanks so much uh for picking this, uh for being willing to step in. Veronica, thanks you too. Uh if folks want to find SMR podcast and listen to you and Chris and Rob uh talk about technology and more, where should they go? Yeah, so you can find us on 
any of the places where you're going to get your podcasts, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, um, or just head over to smrpodcast.com and you can find the podcast there. Click download and uh, take a listen. Again, you're not going to get anything as intelligent as Tom when he does uh, his uh, his daily tech news show, but you will get a couple guys who like to talk not just about tech. Sometimes it'll be about social issues that are, that are going on out in the world or um, we'll be talking about barbecuing. Um, so we do go across a number of topics. It's it's what we're <laughs> passionate about. I think if you didn't, if any, your listeners didn't know, I don't know if Chris, I thought Chris and Rob were invited to do this show. I don't know if they were actually committed to reading a book. But if Chris jumps on, um, Chris talks a lot about his journey in weight loss over the last what, mm. two years. He's probably dropped almost 200 pounds, which is unbelievably life-transforming, amazing. And we do talk a lot about exercise on there as well. Yeah. Uh, I always have a lot of fun listening to these guys. So go check them out. SMRpodcast.com. Our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons. Thank you all folks uh, to who back our show. And if you would like to support the show that way, head to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. You can review us on iTunes. And if you do, that helps us. Or rather, I guess it's just the podcast app on Mac OS these days. Email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. Swordandlaser.com is our website. We are also on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. And of course, all the conversations happening over at goodreads.com. Until next time, enjoy your reading. Like you're there!